1: sinful nature, the flesh, and what it does, it makes decisions based solely on personal appeal and physical satisfaction, i.e. Lot, When he looked out and he saw the grass is greener there and just made a carnal, sinful nature-motivated decision and went the wrong direction in life towards Sodom. The flesh, the sinful nature, yields obedience to natural tendencies, rather than the inspiration of the Spirit of God and the direction of the Word of God. Do your desires
0: line up with God's will for your life? You can't have all of the earthly things and follow the Lord's will at the same time. The eternal reward of following God's will is far greater than anything that you can obtain here on earth. The scripture says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. In today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage you to seek after God's will instead of your momentary desires of the flesh. He's not asking you to do this alone. God is there beside you to strengthen you along the way. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 21 as he begins his message, The Flesh. To every nation
1: God had promised Abraham and his wife, Sarah, that they would have a child and that through this child, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The ultimate fulfillment of what God prophesied is not an initial child, but one that would come through the lineage of Abraham. And the Bible makes it very clear that the seed, the child, through the lineage of Abraham, is Christ, whose earthly name is Jesus. Christ is his title, the anointed one. He is Jesus. It's the name, Old Testament name, Joshua. God is salvation. He's Jesus Christ. And so God promises they're going to have a child. But it wouldn't be a child born in the ordinary way. And the child, which would typify The future fulfillment in Christ would be named Isaac. Isaac would be conceived and then born when Abraham and Sarah are humanly speaking too old to have kids. So it's a miraculous thing. And that fits because Christ and his conception and all that went with it was miraculous. But in waiting for God to fulfill his promise, Abraham and Sarah... Make a boo boo. Back in Genesis 12, Abraham, without God's direction, goes down to Egypt because of the famine in the land. And when he comes back from Egypt, he brings with them, with him, a handmaid, a servant girl from Egypt called uh, called Hagar. And Sarah says to Abraham, since it's years passing and uh, no sign of a child, maybe God wants us to have kids through Hagar. And Abraham agrees to what Sarah had said, sleeps with Hagar, she gets pregnant, and they give birth to Ishmael. It wasn't God's plan. It was a mistake. God would ultimately fulfill his will through Isaac. Chapter 21, Genesis Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave him the name Isaac. It means laughter because they laughed at the thought of having kids when they're too old to have kids. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Imagine that, your first kid, 100 years old. I mean, when this kid starts talking, the first words out of his mouth is not "dad, die," it's grandpa. <laughs> no, 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 son, I'm your dad. No, you're not. You're my grandpa. <laughs> Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. The child grew, was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. I mean, this is a big time. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Wow. Wow family trouble. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, don't be distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water, gave them to Hagar, He set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy, Ishmael. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes, and then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. And I love verse 17. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, this is Christ in the Old Testament, called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water, so she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. You notice the first part of verse 20. God was with the boy as he grew up. Now, a little side note that could be a whole message in itself. Children conceived and born technically out of the will of God, God still loves them. And God has a plan for them, just like he did for Ishmael. And Ishmael has the same opportunity to worship and serve the God of Israel and the God of Abraham, his father, if he'll only make the right decisions to do so. Unfortunately, he didn't, but he had every opportunity. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer, the original Robin Hood. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Bad move, mom. That's where she's from. Egypt is a type of the world. That's clear in the Bible. Abraham, Sarah. Abraham, Hagar. Ishmael, born first. Isaac, the son of the promise. The miracle child. Now leave Genesis. We're coming back to it. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. This is some of the coolest Bible study stuff. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians is written to try to encourage the Galatian church and churches Not to go back to the law of Moses because you're in slavery under the law, but to enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. Nothing miraculous about it. Husband, wife, get together. Man, woman, get together. Conception, birth. Natural. But his son, by the free woman, was born as the result of a promise. And it was a miraculous thing. These things may be taken figuratively. In other words, God wants to teach us something from the very real story and lives of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and Ishmael. For the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. One of the most significant times in Jesus' earthly life and ministry, contending with the religious leaders of the Jews, is John chapter 8, where they say to Jesus, we've never been slaves of anyone. We're descendants of Abraham. And he says, you're right, you're Abraham's descendants, but you're not his children. Because if you had the faith of Abraham, you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're trying to kill me. No, you're Abraham's physical lineage, but not his spiritual lineage. Verse 25, Galatians 4. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she's in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she's our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. What does that mean? When you put your faith in the seed that came through the lineage of Abraham, Jesus Christ, you were born again based on the promise in Jesus Christ. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It's the same now. Believer, unbeliever, saved, non-saved, Christian, non-Christian. There's contention between the two. Those born of the Spirit and those born just in the ordinary way even though they may be religious if they've never been born again. Well, what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. On the surface, it sounds cruel. God has a lesson to teach. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Wow, the lessons here. Off the chart. Ishmael was circumcised. Isaac was circumcised. But Romans chapter 2 tells us that a true Jew, speaking spiritually, God created the Jewish people and through them brought the Christ, that through that message and the Christ, all the nations of the earth could be blessed. It's in Jesus. He's the one. He's the Savior. And so just religious practice, religious routine, circumcision, etc., is not enough. Ishmael was circumcised, just like Isaac. But Romans 2 again, a Jew is one who is not just one outwardly, and circumcision is not just physical, it's of the heart, by the Spirit. You must be born again, born from above, born by the Spirit. It's not just religion. The lineage of faith through Abraham is not just religion, but faith in the child. Faith in Jesus, the Christ. And isn't it fascinating? And part of the figurative examples and the lessons, who was born first? Come on, Ishmael. And there wasn't contention in the family until the son of the spirit, the son of the promise was born. And in my life, the real conflict began when I was 19, and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then the spirit living in me is now contending with the flesh. The sin that dwells in the members of my body. Wow. The flesh. The sinful nature. The spirit. I tried to define, for the sake of the message, the flesh and the sinful nature. And here's the best that I could do. The sinful nature, the flesh, and what it does, it makes decisions based solely on personal appeal and physical satisfaction, i.e. Lot. When he looked out and he saw the grass is greener there and just made a carnal, sinful nature-motivated decision and went the wrong direction in life towards Sodom. The flesh, the sinful nature, yields obedience to natural tendencies, rather than the inspiration of the Spirit of God and the direction of the Word of God. Peter, very sincerely, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You're thinking naturally, not spiritually. And get this, whatever is born of the flesh cannot live in peace with that which is born of the Spirit. Romans 7 and 8 talks all about it. I especially highlighted this morning in my personal notes, going back through it again, Romans chapter 8, verse 7, and here's what it says. The sinful mind, sinful nature, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Galatians makes it just as clear. Galatians chapter 5. Oh, my goodness. Usually, when I'm doing what God wants, I'm saying no to what I want. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Do you know that God prophesied about Ishmael back in Genesis chapter 16? Let me tell you what he said. Genesis 16, verse 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers by choice. He didn't go God's way. And his life and his decisions in life are figurative lessons. He represents the flesh. He represents the sinful nature. Then when you get to chapter 25 of Genesis, it gives us his descendants and fascinating what it says. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 18, his descendants settled in the area from Havilah to Shur near the border of Egypt. Egypt is the world as you go toward Ashur, and they live in hostility Toward all their brothers. There it is again. Good versus evil. Saved versus unsaved. Christian, non Christian. What is born of the flesh cannot live in peace with that which is born of the spirit. That's why the scriptures are very clear. Now I'm going to give you this next verse in the old King James Version just because of the way it says it. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That's what God's trying to teach us in Abraham, making a very difficult decision that was distressing to him because Ishmael had grown up in the family. He had fed him. He had cared for him, just like we do ourselves. But if you're going to have victory, you got to make a decision and get rid of the provision of the flesh. And that's the getting rid of Hagar and Ishmael. Colossians says it just as clear, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, unless you crucify the flesh, it will always win. If your hand or your foot causes you to descend, cut it off. Jesus is using figurative language. If your eye causes you to descend, gouge it out, throw it away. Make no provision for the flesh. Now, now listen, listen, listen. Do you understand? This section here. Do you understand it? Back in the cheap seats. Do you want un- Chris? Those around. Do you understand it? You got it. I'm trying to let you out early. This section here. Do you understand that? You over here. Have you got it? Okay, we got it. Back to Genesis. Make no provision for the flesh. Flesh, get out of here. All right? Now, Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, after dealing with the flesh, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Put yourself in Abraham's sandals. The child you've waited for, the child that's the miracle child, he's here. Through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And now God telling you, go and sacrifice him? Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. On the third day. I underline on the third day. Why? Because that's the day of resurrection. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And notice, and it's very clear in the Hebrew, scholars tell me, we will worship and then we will come back to you it's about 50 miles to mount moriah from where he was he's walking takes him about 3 days he gets there he can see it in the distance what was he thinking about those 3 days i have no doubt god i don't understand Lord, help me to understand. He is praying. He is, he is meditating. He is trying to figure out why in the world God would want him to sacrifice his one and only miracle child through whom the promise would be fulfilled to bless all the nations of the earth. He's trying to understand it. In Hebrews chapter 11, tells us beginning in verse 17, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. On that three day journey, he came to the conclusion that God must have Resurrection in mind, And figuratively speaking, here's another lesson from the real life story. He did receive Isaac back from death. Genesis 22 verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, if you're Isaac, that's an excellent question. (laughs) I mean, you want to know the answer to that. (laughs) I know everything else is here. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac. To me, the most fascinating thing is not that he bound his son, Isaac. The most fascinating thing is Isaac allowed himself to be bound by his dad.
0: Danny has been walking you through several books of scripture in a study called Gleanings from the Old Testament. He's been highlighting important stories and characters, demonstrating how they fit in God's kingdom plans. These people you've been meeting didn't have the benefit of the entire Bible to live from. They didn't know Jesus personally. They only had the promise of salvation to come. In fact, many of the people you'll continue to learn about had to trust God to fulfill the promises that he had made to them, even though they wouldn't be fully realized even in their lifetime. God continues to make promises today to you and to other faithful followers. Those things may be fulfilled while you're still alive, but it's possible that the promise is something for the future, something that you have a part in but won't see fully until you're with Him in heaven. Today, be courageous, stand firm in what the Lord has told you, and follow Him faithfully anyway. You have a part to play in God's kingdom plan, so walk it out with confidence with your Creator. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Living Word. We'd like to pray for you during this study. Would you send us an email and let us know how we can do that? Connect with us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue studying in the Old Testament right here on The Living Word.